for the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Go ahead, stand to your feet, and we're going to start in verse, in chapter, 1 Samuel, chapter number 30. 1 Samuel, chapter number 30. When you get there, I want you to say amen. Now, I'm going to read from verses, I'm going to read verse 1 down to verse number 10. And then I'm going to read verses uh, 17 down through verse 19 in that same chapter. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south. And Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David, two wives, and Anoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, his daughters, but David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Elimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abithar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went in the 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so worried that they could not cross the brook Bezor. Now jump on down to verse number, actually jump on down to verse number 17. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we continue our worship in honor of your word. God, will you please enlighten, inspire, and encourage this people, God, that you have created and fashioned for yourself according to your own glory. And God, will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated in the Lord's presence. Last week, we launched a series entitled Cheer Up. And so we're going to continue with that series today. And I want to talk to you today about bouncing back after a defeat. Bouncing back after 
a defeat. I want to begin this sermon with a question. Have you ever put your heart and soul into something? Your passion, your drive, everything into something to see it fail? I'm sure all of us have experienced that at some point. Maybe you have, you had a job lined up, you really believe in God for it, and that job didn't come through. Perhaps you started a business or a company, and that company failed, it did not succeed. Maybe your kids are struggling and you feel like a failure as a parent. Perhaps you put your heart and soul in your marriage only to find that it's failed or failing. Perhaps the doctor is giving you a bad report. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a quandary of distress. The fact of the matter is, we're all going to suffer from time to time in life. We're going to suffer a defeat. You're going to have to deal with this emotion that is, that is called discouragement. Now, when we deal with discouragement, sometimes there's a tendency to feel like God has abandoned you. How many of you ever have gone through something, honestly, and you prayed? I mean, you prayed your heart out. You sought God. You did everything you knew to do. And you prayed about it, you prayed about it, and, and it didn't come through. And you thought just for a moment, if for a moment, God, did you really hear me? Has anybody ever been there? Well, you really felt like, I mean, I thought you, you're, you're a Christian, and, and the thought process may be that, man, man, you know, I, I really, really, really thought that this would turn out this way. And all of a sudden, you find yourself discouraged and it turn out that way and if you're not careful you can begin to think that God has abandoned you but how many know that God has never abandoned us the scripture says that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways isn't that amazing that gives me great encouragement because it lets me know that God thinks on an entirely different plane than I do and that no matter what happens in my life I don't care if I have to suffer a defeat I don't care if discouragement comes my way. How many know that if we keep looking up, how many know God is, God is going to do something amazing in our life? I'm reminded of the scripture that says that all things work together for good. Say that with me. All things work together for good. Now, particularly for those who love God. So if you're sitting here today and you love God, you must understand that no matter what you're going through, no matter what happens in your life, God is in the process of making that work for your good. Now, the challenge is sometimes seeing that in the midst of defeat. See, it's difficult sometimes seeing that because we don't see the big picture. See, when God, see, the way God deals with us is God shows us shadows, types, remnants. I mean, God never, ever show us the whole picture. He, he never does. So, so there's always a place where you just really, really, really have to trust God. Because God doesn't, and there's a reason, because I believe if God showed us everything, we might do, who knows what we might do. I mean, for starters, we'll probably mess it up. So he says, the just shall live by what? Faith. So I understand that, that even when that defeat came, when that discouraging situation came into my life, guess who wasn't surprised about it? God. The whole time, 
How many know? See, as a Christian, you got to know that God is always in the background pulling strings for you. Come on. Is anybody going to help me this morning? We must understand that no matter what it looks like on the outside, that, that God is sovereignly in control of my life. And how many know that every defeat is not a loss? Did you hear that? Every defeat is not a loss. Sometimes God uses a defeat to prepare us for greater things. How many know that David, that, that, no, uh, Joseph suffered a lot of defeats? You remember Joseph? Sold into slavery, rejected by his own family, convicted of rape, a crime he did not commit, by the way, forgotten about in jail. How many know that looking at it from a human standpoint, we would all look at Joseph's life and say, man, your life is just filled with defeat. But how many know that Joseph ended up as the prime minister in all of Egypt? All that while, even though it looks like it was a defeat, God was preparing him for something greater. I mean, here's, here's what God's word is to you this morning. Listen, you got to stay encouraged. You need to stay encouraged because you never know what God is doing. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you have suffered a defeat, if you have suffered a loss, there's no reason for you to put your head down. The Bible says that we never ever sorrow as other who have no hope. How many of you believe that this morning? See, there are two types of people in the world, two types. Call them, watch this, two types of people. I, I like to call them splatters and bouncers. See, the splatters, when, when a splatter hit the bottom, they hit the bottom with a thug, and they just fall flat. But a bouncer, when they hit the bottom, they bounce right up, right back up, and they keep going. How many know that we ought to be a bouncing back kind of a people? The Bible says in Proverbs 24 that, um, that the righteous fall seven times and he gets back up. You know, that, you know that number seven was just an arbitrary number, yeah. I mean, no, but, but the Bible is really saying that as a righteous person, as a person who is a part of the kingdom of God, that, that no matter how many times we fall, we're going to get back up. Why are we going to get back up? Because we know, we know, number one, that, that when we fall, that there, listen, it's not just for nothing. Okay, how many know that God is working in your life to willing to do of your good pleasure? Did you understand that? So, so when, there's a, when there's something happening in your life, when an discouraging situation arises in your life, as a Christian, listen, we understand that, you know what? God must be up to something. He got to be up to something. There's no way, that, because how many know that God is sovereign? How many believe God is sovereign? How many believe that God sees everything? How many believe God knows everything? So that means that a discouraging situation, a defeat, how many know God was still in control of all of that? And watch this, he has a plan. You know, we, we say that all the time, God has a plan for your life. How many of you really believe God has a plan? He has a plan for your life. So I can always be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, because I know that no matter what comes my way, if you knock me down, I'm going to get right back up. Because you, listen to me, you can't kill me. You might can hurt my body, but you can't kill me. How many know that, that, baby, this is eternity right here? God has prepared something amazing for each and every one of you. And so when your hope and your trust is in God, surely you're going to get back up. This is why people who don't know God, they give up and they quit. They give up and quit because they have no relationship with God. Because all of their trust is in what's now. 
So the righteous, when we fall, we spring right back up, baby, because I know but God is on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Come on, somebody. So, so how, many, I want, how many of you are bouncers this morning? Do I got any bouncers in the house? Do I got any splatters in the house? Don't raise your hand. See, how many know that David was a man? I, I love David. David was a warrior. He, you, you've heard me say it over and over again. Of all the folks in the Bible, King David, I, I, I love David because David had such a pureness about him. David was a man, the Bible says, after God's own heart. But David was a fighter. David was a warrior. David was a skilled. In fact, if David was living today, David would probably be a gun collector. David would probably be one of those guys he'll go to range every day, boy, he can hit something from any place because he was, he was a fighter. He was a warrior. David was a, he was a bad boy. But as bad and awesome as David was, and by the way, he was anointed. <laughs> he was called by God. I know that David had to face discouragement just like all of us. Now, we can learn some things from the life of David as it relates to discouragement and how to deal with a defeat. David had suffered many defeats in his life. David had made some bad choices in his life. How many have made some bad choices? Come on, raise your hand. How many have ever made some bad and, and God has still been good to you? <laughs> Come on. And God keep on blessing you in spite of your stupidity. Come on. Is anybody here hearing me today? Here today, David said this in Psalm 42, 11. I like this verse. David says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Psalm 43, 5. Here's David talking. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Now understand something. That David was a man that understood this. And how, how many know that, that, that every now and then, sometimes you got to invoke God's will over your own life. You got to speak into your own situation. Y'all understand what I'm saying? David was a man. Listen. David was a man. David, David dealt with this emotion, but the way he dealt with it, he just looked at him. It's almost like he had an out-of-body experience. He says, why are you tripping so? I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. What's up with you so? Why do you want to sit here in the house? Why do you want to be discouraged? Why do you want to be mad? Why do you want to quit? Get up hoping God. Amen. I mean, every now and then you just need to have a conversation with yourself. I mean, you know, sometimes you just got to talk to yourself. What's up with you today, Gary? Why are you tripping? Why do you want to stay in the bed today? Why are you discouraged? Hope in God. Don't you know that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Get up out of this bed. Get up out of this room. Go forth in the name of Jesus. Every now and then, we need to have a conversation with yourself. David had these emotions. He, he had these discouraging moments. And David says, why are you cast down? What's up with you? Why, why are you tripping today? You ever talk to yourself like that? Has anybody, hey, somebody said, well, Pastor, they might think, because, think I'm crazy, whatever. I have these conversations with myself all the time. I, I, I'm just being honest. See, folks just don't want to say it. But, you know, how many of you walking home, you have conversations with yourself? Amen. Amen. Come on. I, you know, I'm my biggest cheerleader. Sometimes, how many times, there are sometimes people, as, as wonderful as you are, sometimes I, you can't help me. 
So sometimes I walked around my house, and I, well, my, my family hear me, and I just start talking. What, did you just say something? Uh, yeah, I'm just talking to myself, yeah. Okay. David was a man who talked to himself because he understood what was happening. He knew that if he gave in to that discouragement, he knew how that thing would bring him down. He knew that if he stayed there, he can never, ever be what God wanted him to be. How many know that it is not God's will for you to walk around with the spirit of discouragement? It is not the will of God. Listen, I'm t- we're talking about this series is about cheer up. How many know Christians ought to always cheer up? I don't care what happens in your life. Pastor, you, I don't care. You got every reason to give God the praise amidst your circumstance. It doesn't matter. David said, hope in God. This, well, my question is, where's your hope? Is your hope in God or is your hope in yourself? Is your hope in your checkbook? Is your hope in your employer? Where's your hope today? Because there's nothing else that will bring you satisfaction and make you feel secure than knowing that God is your hope and he is a present help in time of need. How many of you really believe that this morning? So David said, why, why, why? David gives us an insight into the way and how he thought. Now, understand, David was a very successful warrior. He was a mighty man of God. He was a strong man of God. He was a man that God said himself. God said, David is a man after my own heart. God said that concerning David. Now, let's dig into our story a little bit in Ziglag. Let me give you a little bit of background of what happened here. So David... And his men had been running from King Saul for years. King Saul was upset, mad at David, because he knew that David was anointed. How many of you ever had somebody get mad at you because you're anointed or favored by God? You know, when they get mad at you, don't, that's just, that's, that's, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'll pray for you. David was anointed by God. And Saul was jealous. Saul was the king at the time. And Saul got mad. God, he was angry because he saw God's favor on his life. Let me know, boy, there's a, there's, a, there's a premium on walking with God. So Saul sees that the time is up. He sees that God has already anointed him as king. <laughs> so when Saul does this, he gets mad. And one day while he's sitting there having dinner with Saul, uh, uh, David sitting at his table, because David was married to one of his daughters, Saul just took a javelin and tried to kill him. And Saul and David said, what in the world? Going, why? And so David ended up on the run from years, running from his own country, being rejected. He, he's a fugitive. Brother did nothing wrong. Saul just wanted his head because Saul don't want him to succeed. So David hooks up with 600 men. And uh, these, are no, these are nobodies. These are ordinary men. These are men that had no renown. There were people, there were men that was kind of like just kind of hanging out. They were like day laborers, just kind of chilling out. And David come up and David said, do you want to do something great? And these men hooked up with David. David had about 600 of them. And all these men, they decided to join forces, David, with the Philistines. And the Philistines were preparing to fight Israel. The Philistine commanders, they didn't trust David, obviously, because David was an Israelite. And the commanders were like, well, you know, David, we, we, don't, do, you know, we don't trust David. We, we can't let him fight because that boy might turn on us, uh, you know, because he's the one who killed our, you know, killed our Goliath. Y'all remember the story? He, he killed our, so, so no, no, send David back. So 
David now and his 600 men end up going all the way back to Ziglag. Everybody say Ziglag. Now, Ziglag was a parcel of land that King Achish had given to David. The Philistine, the Philistine king had given to David because David had came and David had uh, formed this affinity with them. And so this was a parcel of land that uh, granted to David. So David is going all the way back to Ziglag. So David got his family there, his wives, his children, his resources, all their men. They had wives, children, resources. I mean, this is, this is where they were camped. This was their spot. But all of a sudden... David gets back to Ziglag, and point number one, David found himself in a devastating situation. He was, his family had been burned. Look, look at it, look at it here. In, in verse number um, two, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it's, watch this. And had taken captive the women and those that were with there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. They had taken away everything. So David's family is gone. His children are gone. All his men's family were gone. And, and to boot, the whole city was on fire. And guess what? They didn't leave a ransom note. Had no way of knowing. Like, they knew nothing. Like, what happened? Has anybody ever been in a situation where you got devastated? You walked into something. I mean, things are going just fine. You know, everything is in life, and all of a sudden, boom, it hits you. That's usually when you get that discouraging moment. You're like, oh. we all have been there. See, but the reality of it is, is that we have all faced devastating situations. Death, loss of family, relational problems. We, we all have been confronted with those situations, and sometimes, you know, we, oftentimes we don't have a clue. We don't know where it came from. <laughs> we don't know how it happened. All the thing I know is, man, it happened. And so the Bible says, watch this, that all of these men, when they get there, when they see what's going on, they have a clue. The Bible says they wept. They just started crying. These were grown men crying. And the Bible said they didn't just cry. Listen to this. They cried until they had no more power to weep. How many know you got to be pretty dejected at that point? Now, I want, I want you to understand the picture here. This was a picture of hopelessness. I don't know what my family is. I don't even know if my family is alive. I don't know what. I mean, you would be, I mean, where do I start? Where do I start looking? Where do I go? I don't even have a clue. I don't even have a drug dog. I don't have a, I don't have a dog that can sniff to try to, I, I don't have any, I don't know where to start. He was devastated. This is why the Lord warns us in 1 Peter chapter number 4. The Bible says, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which has come to test you as some strange thing has happened to you. I want you to understand something about that. What that simply means is, the, the, listen, I, I know you don't want to hear this, but there's already been some things that have been preordained to happen in your life. That's why you don't trip because you know in the end it's going to work out for you. You do know that, don't you? The Bible, that's why Peter said, don't think it's strange. Don't be like, hey, didn't I, you know how folks are. Oh, why did this happen to me? Oh, oh, I've been walking with God. I've been trusting God. How did this happen to me? The Bible says, think it not strange. In other words, don't act like you're exempt. Here's what I'm trying to say. 
This is the reality of it. You're going to have moments that's going to come in your life. They're going to be discouraging moments. They're going to be moments of defeat that's going to happen to everybody. The question is, how do you deal with it? Then, number, then the second point, listen to this. David's friends turned their backs on him. All right, so I'm in a really, so I want you to see this picture here. So here it is. David didn't do anything wrong. David, in fact, David was with these guys. They were hanging out together. They had did war together. They had, they were, I mean, they were, they were just, they were with David. They were all together. They were like, they, they were like, a, I don't want to say gang, but you know, they had a comrade. They were together. And all of a sudden, they turned their backs on David. Now, if it's not bad enough that David is grieving over what he's lost, but now his brothers, the folks that you think is supposed to have my back. Has anybody ever had somebody turn their back on you? Folks you thought had your back? Am I the only one that ever happened to? I mean, you really thought that in that moment when you really needed the most, now the, they turned their backs on David. And, and you know what they said? They said, um, we're going to kill David. Let's kill him. So they're whispering. So now, is anybody qualify, if there's anybody that qualifies for discouragement at that point, I'll probably say it's David at that point. What do you think? If anybody really felt like, hey, you know, this is time probably to check out. That might have been the time to check out. Right? I mean, and, I, and by the way, I don't even know how I'm going to get up out of here. They, they, they're, they're whispering, they're going to kill me. How many know this is a bad place? And even though, point number three, Watch this. Even though that was the case, how do you know David refused to play the blame game or lash out? How many of you have ever been discouraged and then you get mad and you want to get somebody back? Come on. You know how you get sometimes. I know y'all too holy. Y'all don't do that in Foundation Church because y'all walk with the Lord. I know you ain't never want to get somebody back from hurting you. I know. I know it. But David, David could have, I mean, David was, he was, a, he, was a, he was a warrior. David, if he wanted to, he probably could have took all 600 of them and beat them down if he wanted to. That's how bad the boy was. But David took it. David, David refused to play the blame game. You know, sometimes you get into the blame game, you start complaining. How many know that, that's, that's a rabbit trail that will lead you to nowhere? Let me, let, me, let, me, let me help you with that. When you're in your discouraging moments, Listen, ain't no need to complain and whine and try to get people back and blame. David didn't play that. David heard it, but you know, David wasn't even thinking about that. David was, you know, David's mindset, see, see, winners think differently than everybody else. See, winners are always thinking, yeah, this is the way it is, but how am I going to get through this? While everybody else want to just kind of mope in the moment. But David, watch this, number four, David turned to the Lord. I, I like this. Look at verse number six. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, and every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened or encouraged or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So while everybody else was looking within, watch this, David was looking up. You, you see, that, that, that's how you defeat discouragement. See, when discouragement comes your way, what's one of the first things you want to do? You want to look, you want to stay within. See, all the other men, they were content. Believe, I, I know y'all don't want to hear this either, but I got to say it. Some people are content with being discouraged. <laughs> well, Pastor, how can you say such a thing? Because why do you have to stay there? Some people, they just want to, they want to wallow. And, 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 you know, and, and, and so, but David, he said, no, I'm looking up to God. 
He turned, listen, and he got strength. He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God, which speaks to his relationship. See, some folks, when they get discouraged, they turn to drugs. They turn to alcohol. They turn to sex. Am I preaching real good? They turn to people. They turn to, they turn to everything except God. They might check with God at the end. Only to find out that that didn't help you either, but in fact made your situation worse. How do you know that at some point the wisdom of God got to smack us up in the, come on church. The wisdom of God ought to be screaming to us. Proverbs says wisdom screams out, what are you doing? The Lord is your rock. The Lord is your fortress. Look to him. David turned and David, while everybody else is over there, boo-hoo, 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 I don't know what I'm going to do. David said, God, I'm going to talk to God. I, I got to go. I, 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 I see where y'all at, but I got, sometimes you just got to step away. Come on, you got to know when to step away. See, one of the things I like about David, see, one of the things I liked about David is, 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 that, is that David maintained, number the fifth point, David maintained his will to fight. Do I got any fighters in the house? See, then David, look at verse number seven. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Elimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Now understand what the ephod was. See, the ephod was this priestly, a priestly garment that the priest would wear when they would go in and they want to seek direction from the Lord. So whenever they put the ephod on, the ephod was representative of, we're going to take some action. David whole thing in that particular, David, listen, David was looking to all these guys. David listened to all these guys cry and moan. And it was like David said, enough is enough. Bring me the ephod. Bring me the ephod. I got to go talk to God. And so whenever the priest would put on the ephod, the ephod, they were, listen, they were going in and they were going to talk to God because they wanted a word from the Lord. They wanted a sense of direction in terms of what's next. See, folks who are discouraged sometimes, they don't want to know what's next. They just want to wallow. You follow what I'm saying? But, see, see, but David said, bring the ephod. Some of us right now, we just need to get into a habit of saying, enough is enough. Go get me the ephod. We're going to have a talk with God. We got to move this thing forward. I, I know y'all are crying. I see y'all are upset. I, I get it. Now, I've cried long enough. But come on, at some point, you got to get up. I mean, you know, we've been crying. How, how long are we going to stay here? It ain't going to change. Listen, me weeping here, crying. Again, I got to get up. I got to move because God got something for me to do. Does anybody believe God got something for you to do? And so David said, get the ephod. Some of us just need to have an ephod moment. Son, daughter, go bring the ephod. I got this discouraging news. I don't like it. I, I know this situation is, but I've cried. I'm done crying. Now get the ephod because God's going to talk to me. Sixth point, David got a word from the Lord. You know what God's word to David was? You shall recover all. How many know that's a good word? But here's the problem. It's hard to get a word from the Lord if discouragement is controlling your life. How many know that it's hard to hear what God is saying if discouragement got a leash on us and pulling us around like a little puppy. 
I mean, it's hard to hear from God. Listen, this is why, this is why, listen, this is why we got to get in the habit of saying, you know what, uh, th- this is a choice. I'm going to choose. Everybody say choose. You know, just like we said last week, the worry was a choice. You know, discouragement is a choice, too. Now, you, listen, the emotion's going to come. You're going to get that new. It's okay to cry. It's okay to weep. I, I'm not saying that's wrong, but here's what I'm saying. But how long are you going to do that? How long are you going to stay there? Because I know that, that, that how many know that, 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 that God has given me power? Dunamis power. Power to overcome. Power to get up. Power not to quit. So sometimes, you know, I mean, this, this is just where I am. I mean, I, 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 I just this way. I don't like to hang around a bunch of doom and gloom too long. That's just the way I am. I mean, I go to the funeral, my wife will tell you. You know, I preach funerals. I don't like them. But see, I like the funerals that, that when people that cry a little bit, but then they, there's just hope. There's joy. They, they're ready to move on. There's some folks, you ever seen them? I'm not knocking, but, oh, and all up in the casket, and they're, oh, they're beating up, you know, sorrowing with no hope. I'm not knocking. Listen, you hear what I'm saying? All I'm saying is we ought to think a little bit differently than that. How many know our hope is in Jesus. So David got his word from God. And his discouragement, he heard the voice of God. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When you feel like you're discouraged, I mean, those emotions come when you need to do it. You need to get to God as quick as you can. You know what some folks do when discouragement comes? They go away in the opposite direction. Some folks, when they get discouraged, I ain't going to pray. I don't read my Bible. That's the time you need to read. Well, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to. That's the time you need to go to church because that's the time you're going to hear from God. There's a lot of people. I'm telling you right now. I know what I'm talking about. Who should be here this morning, but they ain't here. And they're going to call me and tell me how discouraging they were. And God got a word for them right now. How many know it's important to be where you're supposed to be? Yeah. Tell my kids all the time. Kids get in trouble. Be where you're supposed to be, and probably trouble won't find you. Trouble seems to find people who are in the out of place. Well it, well, well, it ain't sin. No, but it's out of place for it's sin for you. Oh, preaching better than you let known this morning. Sometimes it's, it's, it's bigger than that. How many hear what I'm saying? We get in these situations, man, and it's like we, we, can't, hear, we can't hear what God is saying because we're just out of place. We're controlled by everything, and we can't hear. How many know the Bible? Jesus said, my sheep hears my voice. Why? Because the sheep are following him. The sheep knows because the sheep is in position. Everybody say position. You got to be where you're supposed to be if you're going to hear what God has to say. Even if you don't feel it. Yes, this spirit of, sometimes I know that spirit of discouragement will jump up on your back like a bear. But if you need to, if you need to get some help, say, sister, brother, come over here and drag me to where I need to be so I get this thing up off of me. I can't stay here. I can't stay here. I can't, listen, I got to keep moving. There's too much God got for me to do. Does anybody here feel like they got purpose and destiny and calling? There's too much for me to do. I can't stay here. No, brother, I can't stay here. I'll weep, I'll cry, but I got to get up. 
my wife would tell you, I don't do it for long. Ah, because destiny, purpose is all up on the inside of me and nothing will stop me. And you got to have the same attitude. See, that seventh point, David chose not to remain discouraged for long. You know the thing about this verse, the moment you think about this chapter? You know, you read that there's no evidence in this particular chapter. And I, I went back over and I read it just to make sure. When this happened and David saw this, this weeping ain't happened. This thing, this thing ain't going for like days. It ain't going for like weeks. It's like when David got there, you know, I'm thinking it probably wept for about a good hour or two, maybe max. Then after that, David was on to something else. They were thinking, hey, where's the ephod? Because everybody else, they were just wallowing. They, where's, where's the ephod? We got to go talk to God. I mean, this was, you know, some of us, we, we listen to me, some of us days and weeks and months being controlled by the spirit of discouragement. We had a lady, um, this just brings me to my next point. David did not allow himself to remain isolated. This is important. We had a lady uh, on the police department, one of my colleagues. I didn't really know her that well, but I, know, I knew her, I see her, I would talk to her whenever I you know, would say hi to her. And a very uh, pretty lady, had the, uh, a, a wonderful disposition, wonderful personality, had like three kids, her husband was a lieutenant on the police department. All of a sudden, we find out that she kills herself. And, and I remember everybody just saying, shocked. And you know, I thought about that thing as I was preparing this message. That sometimes when we isolate ourselves, that's one of the worst things that we can do. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. The verse number nine says that after David prayed, he got his word from God. You know, the Bible said that David got up and he went and he reconnected with his men. He said, we got something to do. I want you to understand something. Um, the spirit of discouragement flourishes in isolation. I want you to understand that. If you don't hear, I want you to hear that the spirit, hear me, of discouragement flourishes in isolation. Just as flowers grow in good soils, discouragement flourishes in isolation. In other words, refuse to allow the devil or the enemy to whisper death threats in your secret places. And what I mean by that, death, death to dreams, death to purposes. God is done with you. There's no hope. You know, when the enemy gets you by yourself, this is, what, this is how discouragement beat up a lot of people because what happened is you get discouraged and then you draw further and further and further away and you're withdrawn and you're isolated. You're not talking to nobody and you're not sharing with nobody. You're not connecting. You're not moving in what God wants you to move in. And then what happens is here comes the, the spirit of discouragement. Now you're discouraged, but that can turn into something a whole lot worse. I can't tell you one thing, one of the frustrating things that the pastors to see when people have a hard time that, that they walk away from God. Oh, yeah, well, you know, got one brother all the time I see him. What's wrong with you, brother? When are we going to see you again? Oh, I'm going through. Going through with who and where? Where you at, brother? You need going through what? You need to go through with the people of God. You need to get connected. 
How many, that's why the Bible calls us the body of Christ. So the enemy works in the spirit of isolation. David prayed, he got the ephod, and he went back. He said, brothers, God spoke to me. Because God spoke to him because he could hear. Why? Because he didn't let discouragement keep him boxed in. He got up out of that box. He got a word from God. And he says, men, God spoke to me. We're going to get everything back. We're going to get everything. Every, we're going to get it all back. So David refused. Let me tell you something right now. If you find yourself being discouraged, don't stay isolated. Now, it's okay to pray and talk to God alone, but at some point, how many know that if you get up off your knees, you need to reconnect. You need to re-engage. You need to go about and be about your father's business. Because how many know God got work for you to do? I don't care if it looks hopeless. You know that in God, you always have work to do. You just got to talk to him. God got to tell you exactly what to do. Amen. And so David, last point, David recovered all. Look at verses 17 and 19 again. That's chapter 30, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all, everybody say all, all. that the Amalekites had taken care of away, and David rescued his wives. And nothing of theirs were lacking, either small or great. <laughs> this is wonderful. Sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them, David recovered all. Now, I wonder what would have happened if David would have decided, like the rest of the guys, to stay there and just wallow in that discouragement. I venture out to say that I probably wouldn't be preaching to you about this story. Had David decided to stay in that discouragement. But because David, even though he had a difficult situation happen to him, even though he didn't see this thing coming, he re-engaged with God. He prayed. He got up. He kept going. Everybody said, keep going. And the Bible says he recovered all. How do you know Job lost a lot? You remember Job? But the Bible says he was blessed twice for everything he lost. See, what happened to a lot of people is they quit on God in the midst of it and they never ever see what they can recover. How many know when God gives you something, he gives it to you better? So David recovered everything. Why? Because he did not wallow in defeat. He did not stay in that discouragement. He got up and he kept going. God's word to you this morning is get up and keep going. You're going to recover. Look at the name and say, you're going to recover. I know it hurts right now, but you're going to recover. But the key is you got to get up. You got to get up. I'm going to recover. I'm going to recover from this. I'm going to recover. You got to believe that every single day of life. I don't care what's happening in life. You got to think like this. I'm going to recover. I'm going to recover. I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to stay discouraged. I cannot stay here. I'm going to recover because if I, there's no way that I can keep running after God and God leave me hanging. He is a good God. He is faithful. He won't leave me. He won't leave me. I know he won't. He's a good God. But I got to get up and I got to keep moving. 
Because if I stay here, I wouldn't, I knew it, I never would see what the possibilities are. I say this often, boy, I don't want to die and get into the presence of God and I quit on God. And God said, this, Gary, is where you could have been, but because you lost hope, you didn't get there. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want all that God has for me. Is anybody here say, I want it all? Uh, I want to get before God. I want him to say, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's all your stuff. Recover all. This is what David did. Cheer up. I want to leave you a couple of closing thoughts and we're done. Listen to me. Look at the neighbor and say, press on. I'm going to read this verse. I like this verse. Paul said, not that I, this is uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul said, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. Some of us got to just forget about it. How many know you can't change what's already happened? What done happened, done what? Now I'm, I'm talking southern language. What done happened, done happened. You you can't change what's in the past. It's over. All you can do now is, Paul said, look, he said, look, I ain't perfect. I made my share of mistakes, but one thing I know I do, I don't know a lot of stuff, but I do this, I press on. And he said, I keep reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal. I press. Sometimes you got to press. You know why you're pressing? Why are you pressing? Come here, young man. Come here. On in. I got another. Why are you pressing? Come here. Come come on. I'm not going to hurt you. I promise you. Big. <laughs> see, see now, see, see now, look. I'm pressing, and I want you to push me back. I'm going to push you. I'm going to get you out. I'm going to push you off this thing. Are right, you ready? That's, you, that's, that's not a press. You got to, no, don't let me push you and hold your ground, man. Push me back. Come on, man. Yeah, push me back. Come on, come on, push me back. See, I'm pressing. You see how I'm pressing? You know why I'm pressing? Because there's some opposition. See, the press represents opposition. That's why Paul says, I press. If there's no opposition, I won't have to press. I press because there's something pushing against what God want to do in my life. Come on, thank you. Give him a hand clap. Thank you, brother. He was afraid, though. I had to. Um, so I want you to press. And then listen to this. Then I want, you to, I want you to do this. Read the scriptures and focus on what God said. While you're discouraged, focus on what God said. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on what God said. That'll help you. Trust me. Focus on what. See, David said in Psalm 119, 28, my soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Some of us don't got enough word. The word will get you back on track quick. And then number three, you got to know you're coming out. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh what? It's coming. And then, I'm a f- last one, don't quit. Second Corinthians 4.1 said, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, we do not lose heart. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't allow discouragement to beat you down. Do what you got to do. Weep for a moment, but get up real quick. Don't live there.
Because if you live there, you'll never see what God got for you over here. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.